0: life and death it's the flip side of a coin but it's a necessary part of everyday life for so many people that we ignore and we don't look at however there can be great power in getting close to and confronting your own mortality
1: welcome to the influencer podcast we are back with episode number 333333 333, such a magical number which makes sense because we have a Magical, magical human on the podcast today. My friend John Christian Pfeiffer is on the podcast today to talk about something that first off has never been talked about on this podcast. And second off is a topic that a lot of people shy away from. And that is the topic of death. John Christian is the co-founder of Laxburg Conservation, which is a conservation that's mission is to preserve and restore land through natural burial in his story of how he has grown his incredible mission and conservation he talks about the need to share more about the stories of living life to the fullest of what it means for rebirth, renewal, and how we can all take bits and pieces from the people that came before us to really see how we're supposed to influence and impact the world. I also find the work that he does for a living absolutely fascinating and not for the faint of heart. So if you're wanting to hear a very uplifting and inspiring conversation today that may just put you back rooted into your purpose and give you that reset that you need so you know that you are showing up and really living your life to the fullest and not taking a day for granted, you're going to want to listen to today's episode. And with that, let's get started. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon. If you found yourself here, it means you are ready to unleash the powerful visionary that lives inside you, turning you into an authentic leader who creates influence, impact, and change. Let's get started. Hello, John Christians.
0: Hi, Julie. Thank you for having me.
1: I'm so glad that you're here. (laughs) And I feel so honored to to know you and to have gotten to meet you several years ago at this point. And whenever I get to see you, it's always these magical surprise moments. And um, having you on the podcast today is going to be a really special and beautiful conversation.
0: Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. And you're right. You know, um, life is full of magical moments. And um every time we cross paths it's just there's something new and fresh and and alive and and purposeful that we can that we tend to delve into and I'm glad to be here to do that with you again so that we can share it with others
1: yes so we're going to dive into a lot today I first want to just chat just a little bit and we'll get back to it but um Larkspur and and what is that and 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 how are you in involved in this amazing thing that is Larkspur?
0: Larkspur Conservation is, it's a very unique thing and, and I'm going to tell you about it and, and for our listeners I think that it's something that will sound completely different um, and unusual and that's okay um, and we'll get into why things that like this are unusual and different later on but Larkspur Conservation is a nonprofit organization that I founded with Becca Stevens in 2013 With the sole goal of creating a nature preserve and conserving land um, through a revival of natural burial practices. So on this nature preserve we actually commit our loved ones bodies to the ground in a very environmentally friendly fashion that enables our bodies and our organic matter to return to the soil and come back in the form of other plants and animals, habitat and uh, pollinator. If you can imagine, just, you know, you go on a hike. I've seen you at Radnor Lake in different places before. You know, imagine being a part of some, letting your your body or your shell, as I often refer to it, be a part of something bigger and, and using it as a tool to save land for your community. You know, Nashville's growing, it's getting bigger and bigger every day. And we're losing a lot of habitat for our native plant and animal species. We're losing space for our communities to be able to get out in these um, beautiful pristine nature areas and natural areas. So for us, Larkspur Conservation is creating this nature preserve for for wildlife and um, our plant and animal species. It's creating a community green space for um, folks that want to go for a walk and a hike, do some nature study or bird watching. And it's creating a very, very beautiful and meaningful repository or space for stories and honoring those that we love. In a very mindful and meaningful way, we're incredibly proud of this nonprofit and what we've able been able to achieve since starting in 2013 and opening our first nature preserve in 2018. So I'm just so excited to share about natural burial and what we do at Larkspur.
1: And I want to talk more about natural burial burial in a, in a little while, just because I think that that can be. It's so weird to me that that can feel taboo for people when for centuries mm-hmm. that was the way that we were put back into the earth. And now right. we're so used to cremation and, and you know, just coffin burials that, you know, embalmment that you don't, you're right. Just like, what? Someone's just going to go in the ground. And and it's like, <laughs> well, I mean, how do you think <laughs> we kind of did this for centuries? But before That's we do right. that, um, you know, the other thing that someone may be wondering that listens to this podcast all the time, they're like, Julie, you you talk about business growth and marketing and, and influence. Like, why are we sitting here talking about death and burial? But something that I think is really this, uh, this question that I've had over the last couple of years, because in the last year I've lost my grandmother and I lost my dog, who was a very important <laughs> person in my life. And there was this idea of how does death influence life? And because we talk about influence and what it means to influence and to have influence and to share influence and to give influence on this podcast, I thought that that would be a really interesting question for you to answer. So how do you think death influences life in the way that we live?
0: Well, I think that's a really great question that you pose and life and death. It's the flip side of a coin, if you will, but it's a necessary part of everyday life for so many people that we ignore and we don't look at. We don't want to flip that coin over and look at the other side. We want to ignore that it's even there. We want to have all sunny days and we don't want to even consider what a cloudy day may look like. However, there can be great power in getting close to and confronting your own mortality. And it can make you a better person, a better spouse, a better parent, a better child. Um, It can make you have a better relationship with yourself. Like when I get up in the morning, sure, I have these days where I'm just like, oh my gosh, I just, if I could just stay in bed just a little bit longer. I mean, we're always going to have those days. But You know, working um, so closely with death and with families who are on a regular basis um, experiencing loss, what I'm able to do is Take a little bit of what I see in them as they work through this experience, and apply that back to my life in a way that I can prepare myself, but also not take for granted this incredible gift and this incredible opportunity that we have in the right here, right now.
1: Yeah. So it's. I mean, what I really think about is that it just brings you back to that presence moment and and really honoring that. And um, how how has just being around. I mean, it is, it is your career. It is your life's mission to not only get out this amazing work that you do, but I'm sure there's a lot of personalities and feelings and emotions that you have to deal with day in and day out that probably most people don't deal with in their normal work dynamic. And so how does that really influence and shape how you see and view the world?
0: Death can be a roller coaster. Last year, I lost my dog of 16 years and I lost my grandmother of 94. And, you know, I had a harder time with the death of my dog than I did of my grandmother. And I was so, I I thought, goodness gracious, man, get yourself together. I, I just, it hit me differently. And I don't know what that is. Death and loss and grief it's like a fingerprint. Everyone has their own journey and their own unique um, circumstance and their own relationship, both to the experience, but also to the person or the beloved companion animal or whatever it could be the death of. I think that when I meet with a family and you know it's for someone who died by suicide and that person was young, you know, there's a lot of heaviness and weight in that. But I think that there's also an opportunity for me to learn in those moments how, again, to be a better human, not only by considering what this person might have gone through, but also seeing what their family's going through and learning from their family as they move and navigate this type of loss. Now, the same can be said for someone who has experienced the death of a matriarch of a family at 94 years old, when you have a gathering time to honor this person. And you can look back on 94 years of life and you can recall all of these amazing moments, almost like it was the most epic film you ever watched. And you get to come to the closing credits and be a part of that. That's beautiful too. But this short story or this short film also has some very um, key moments in it. Like when, when we lose a young person um, that, that are extremely powerful and can be applied. I don't have all the answers. I'm still working it out. I don't think that anybody can ever be an expert on something as mysterious as death because it's a room away from where we are and we've never visited that room. Even if you may have um, heard of someone that has had a Uh, near-death experience. Um, You know, those are experiences that people have, and I um, do not discount those at all. But again, like the fingerprint, everyone's experience is different. So I can never say, this is what yours will be like, or this is what it's going to be like exactly for you. And I never, ever, ever say, I understand what you're going through. Like when I saw you um, earlier this year, and we talked about our losing our dogs I never said, oh, I know exactly what you're going through because I don't. That was your relationship. That was your little buddy, you know, Um, and I had mine too. So I try just to really be open to the idea of wonder in every moment when it comes to death and loss and working through um, the process and the journey with families. Um, And then I take all of these little key moments that I have along the way that these little, as Oprah would say, aha moments. And I make a little note in my Rolodex, in my in my noggin, and I um, file that away. And I try to use that the next time I have a family that is going through that similar journey or walking a path that's somewhat parallel. Um, how can I apply what I've learned there um, to make it a little easier and a little um, a little more clear a path for this particular family? And considering all of this and getting close to death, what am I doing? I'm creating a better opportunity for an experience for myself and dealing with my own mortality and the mortality of those around me.
1: My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. Business for sponsoring the show, and what would you say to those like myself who I, I don't like death? I don't like thinking about it. I don't like talking about it, which is why I wanted you to be here because I, I myself, I know <laughs> since I don't like it, I need, I need to go there. It's usually like what we resist, right? We resist. Right. And so, what would you say to people that you know if you're afraid of it, if you try to avoid it or hide it, or if you you know, whatever the the emotions or the feelings are around that, how can we kind of get to this place to just? I think the word acceptance comes in for me. Doesn't mean that you have mm-hmm. to like it, but how can we just start accepting life on life's terms? Which means there is going to be, you know, a finale in this day. And and how can we can we really use that to honor the moments that we do have?
0: Well, I think in today's on demand. Um, world when everything's at our fingertips. We can instantly have a pizza at our door in no time, or we can order something and have it delivered immediately almost. I think that we have gotten away from understanding that things just happen in our lives that are outside of our control. That's a big word, control. We try to physically and mentally control everything in our lives. When sometimes what we need to do is just let go and in the letting go, it's kind of like the training a baby to swim and the baby rolls over on it's back and then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, at first it's all of this movement and then oh my gosh, okay, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm experiencing this. You know, and they float and they understand that they're gonna float and they're and they can be in this this water that's uncertain and this movement that's happening. But really leaning in and being in the moment and letting go is probably my biggest tip for someone that's scared i have a lot of friends that when we talk they're like please let's not talk about larkspur i don't want to talk about larkspur oh my gosh don't talk to me about that you know and it's really uncomfortable for them but then i have some friends it's all they want to talk about and this is for a lot of folks they've watched too many movies too many too many netflix um mysteries on tv um we've also just You know, we've grown up in a culture where nobody talks about this around the dinner table and the avoidance really gets us in a pickle where it's something that's so foreign to us that we can't imagine. It's almost like asking someone to eat a frog. Here, eat this frog. Oh my gosh, I've never ate a frog. What's it going to be like? I'm scared. I don't want to eat it. You know, the things that we avoid so much and the things that are so foreign, they're just very difficult. And I think, you know, I I said frog. I should have said something like sushi because nobody actually eats a frog. Nobody wants to eat a frog, but I should have said sushi for somebody that's never had sushi. Like, oh my gosh, no, I'm not eating raw fish. Oh my gosh, this is actually much different than what I expected. I'd built something up in my head and it's totally different. And that could go with any strange food, but. To get away from, this is not a diet show, let's get away from the food. And when we're talking, especially when we're talking about death, for people just to um, have that conversation, it may sometimes it's, maybe it's a, it's a conversation that starts really, really small. I have a lot of people that I'll meet with, maybe it's just one person and their husband isn't there or their kids aren't there, but they're the ones that have taken up the mantle for the family to make a plan and figure this out so that their family doesn't have to go through the unknowns of figuring out what to do when someone dies. So let's just say I'm sitting with this lady and she's telling me that her husband didn't want to come. He doesn't like to talk about this kind of stuff. And this is probably going to freak my kids out. They don't like to talk about death. They don't like the idea of me being gone. And of course, those are all normal reactions. And she says, how do I even talk to them about this? How do I how do I bridge the, the bridge this gap um, in communication? And sometimes one of the easiest things for me to pass along to folks, and I don't know, if you like music like I do, um, sometimes I'll catch myself in a car um, on a road trip with family or friends, and we're listening to the radio, or maybe we've made a playlist, and there's certain songs that come on. And I don't know if you've ever played this game, or if you've ever had this thought, but occasionally a song will come on the radio and you're like oh my god i love this song and it may be a song that you want played at your funeral or that you would consider having played at your funeral um and if you're trying to have a conversation with someone in that car while you're uh while you're riding along about death just say it say oh my gosh i love this song so much don't you like, yes, I love this song. It's so sweet. It makes me think of you, mom. Will you play it at my funeral? That's a segue moment. And there's a lot of those. It can be with flowers. It can be with music. It can be with people. It can be with food. There's a lot of very common things in our lives that we can tie into um, what you want when death occurs. You know, I love to play the game with friends if you could have anyone in the world living or dead perform a song at your funeral who would it be and what's the song and that's that really gets and i mean i i do not have an answer for that question and i don't expect you or anybody else to some people may but um there's just little ways that we can gently um you know nudge up against somebody and have these conversations without going, I'm going to die and this is what I want to do. You're going to put me in this red velvet sweater and it's in the closet. There's a list. It tells you everything to do. Like That's not fun. Nobody wants to hear that. But let's talk about Brian Adams and your favorite song and what we're playing at the funeral. Now I can get into that. Um, there's just,
1: let's go. I mean,
0: (laughs) come on. So uh, there's just a lot of different little ways that you can, and that's the most common thing that I give people to kind of break the ice on having the conversation about, um, about death and loss and, and navigating that. Some people may, um, open up to you and be very into the idea about, oh, I'm getting all my plans in order so that, um, if anything happens before I go on this trip to Europe for a month, um, you kids know exactly where everything in my house is and, how, and, and it can be easy like that, right? You know, um, and those are all very important things that we should do as adults and um, as people that have people that we care for, that we're leaving things behind for. And, and sometimes we're leaving things behind for them. And sometimes we leave a mess when we don't have this conversation and we don't plan.
1: Oh, that's a great point. And I think it allows us to honor our loved ones more. I mean, you never know unless you start the conversation. Like my grandmother was 92 years old and she was a, a Pentecostal believer and mm-hmm. she could not wait to go see Jesus. It's all she mm-hmm. talked about. mean, mm-hmm. she had her, everything picked out, her outfit, the song she wanted to play. Like she could not be more excited to jump in that coffin yep. and like go off to her, you know, to her ride. And, and it's yep. what she she believed and loved to believe and prepared for. And it was like this whole thing, which if we would have never had that conversation with her, we would have never even known what her wishes were. And so right. I do think that that is a really beautiful reminder. And I love the question that you posed about the song or which artist would you love to play there? And I think that it can allow us to, I guess, break the ice sometimes if it's if it's a complicated subject and, you know, when it comes to that with, um, even realizing that there's so many different options and ways for you to, you know, have your, you know, your send off and your next steps or whatever that may be. And that's really where Locksburg comes in. Like I love to talk about it. I think that I find it so incredible. It's if, if anyone please, and we're, we're going to add this in the handle, we'll mention it, but please go to their Instagram. I cannot tell you how absolutely beautiful the ceremonies are and the way that they hold space and just how light and just, I mean, I'm just in awe when I see pictures of how you hold space there and, and the ceremonies that you are able to do for, for these incredible people and, you know, oh, their thank love you. And it's just it, amazing. It's um, so
0: important to us. It
1: truly is remarkable. So share with us a little bit more about Larkspur and Larkspur and what made you decide? Because that's the thing. We talk a lot about entrepreneurship here on this podcast. And it's so funny to me because people will come to me and be like, okay, Julie, so I have this idea, but I don't know. It's so different. It's so unique. I don't know if it could work. And I'm like, well, my friend, John Christian has like a natural burial conservation. So if that can work, then I think anything can work. So share with us a little bit about what made you want to get into this line of business? What gave you the idea of doing it the way that you do it, which is just so beautiful and unique? And um, what have you really learned throughout your journey of entrepreneurship and, and having just this really unique business and business model, really?
0: Well, I tell you, I was probably five or six years old when I started burying grasshoppers and crickets wrapped in leaves. Um, I would sneak into my mom's kitchen drawer. We lived; I grew up on a small farm in West Tennessee, and I would grab a fork and I would um, go out to the edge of the woods. We had three channels, so I was outside all the time. We didn't have channels that were fun, either like MTV or anything. They're all just like boring, playing um, <laughs> Days of Our Lives and um, all of the soap operas. Um, but the days of my life were spent as a child outside with Mother Nature as my babysitter. And I just loved it. And I fell in love with nature and, and the natural world. And, you know, I would come across these little, little insects and insects and little creatures and different things. And I just, it was the first time, I guess, as a child that I'd been so close to something that was always jumping or getting away or running away, right? So I was able to just look at it and admire this beautiful creation um, the way it was just this masterpiece, if you will, of design. And for me, I was like, well, I can't just, I can't just walk by it and just be like, oh, okay, take it for granted. Um, So as a child, I made this sacred little spot in the woods for these little Um, these little animals and these little insects and I buried them there with a fork from mom's kitchen drawer and I had a little ceremony and I was really young I think I'd only ever seen anything regarding funerals um, probably on tv in an old movie or I mean I think I'd seen old yeller if you're in if you like to cry watch old yeller if you don't like to cry don't watch it (laughs) <laughs> but, um, you know, we pick up on so much stuff that we don't realize from like television or, um, the culture around us. Um, but for me, honoring life was something that was so important from a very, very young age. And I told my parents in seventh grade, I wanted to be a mortician. And, uh, that was, I think over dinner, uh, <laughs> randomly. They were like, okay, you can be whatever you want to be when you grow up. You know, they were probably thinking, this will pass. You know, tomorrow it'll be the I mean, I always did want to be a botanist, a park ranger. There was the mortician. Um and then in high school I was like, oh, I'm going to go to university with all my friends. But right after high school, my grandfather died and I um I experienced loss in a different way. It wasn't a grasshopper. It wasn't a cricket. It was, it was someone that played a huge role in my life and in my family's life. So to be able to honor him or watch him be honored um, and see how my family interacted through that loss. Um, he was 92 when he died. Um, it, was, it was something that snapped me back into, me back onto my path, if you will of serving and helping people navigate end of life and i went into mortuary college went through that process and learned so much i spent 15 years in the conventional funeral industry i managed a large funeral home here in nashville before that i was you know i lived in my lived in the funeral home in my hometown i just from small hometown to large metropolitan cities to funerals for homeless people to funerals for famous people at the Ryman Auditorium in downtown Nashville that are on national TV. I mean, you really get to see a lot. And we were helping people, but I kind of always thought in my mind, I said, there's gotta, I always looked for the next way that I could help more, that I could help better. So I gotten to this point where I had done so much and I was 35 at the time. And I made a leap of faith. I thought there has to be a way for us to do something that's more mindful, a uh, more family focused, more ritual focused, something that takes into consider our natural world. Um, natural burial, green burial, if you will, is something that was always appealing to me because of my roots and where I come from. To just make that leap of faith and open myself up to making space for something new to come into it, it was literally three months after I traveled around the country talking to people about their end of life wishes and wants, what they hated, what they loved, what they wanted for themselves, and trying to debug my programming from more of a conventional this is the way you do it inside of this these parameters. I was trying to get rid of all of that so three months after making this space I get a a call from Becca Stevens who I've had a funeral with before in the past and she said I understand you have dreams and desires um, regarding green burial, natural burial, end-of-life practices. She said let's talk and that's how it started and here we are almost 10 years later. And it's just quite incredible to see how it's all unfolded. But I think that anybody can do anything that they want, as long as they're willing to step towards it and open up and create space for it, whether that's the next app or the next um, natural burial ground, (laughs) you know, um, you can really do it. And um, if you put your heart into it, you surround yourself with with people that are positive all the time and can really um, give you the support that you need when you're navigating through. And that's kind of what I try to do for people that are navigating loss and trying to understand end of life, you know, try to be that support for them.
1: So good. And again, I just, I can't stress enough how for everyone listening, just if you're curious, if you're excited, if you're like, what, what does this even look like? Go and take a look at what well, their website also has a, a lot of information and info, photos, mm-hmm. but the, just the Instagram I love. Like whenever I just need to feel peace and serenity, I'll just scroll through and it just gives me that <laughs> like, ah, oh, you know, it's all good. It, it
0: definitely, yeah, it definitely is completely different. It's as if you were And like, if I were to say, imagine a funeral, imagine a cemetery, if I were to uh, give you that and say, dig into that and what can you find uh, or what comes to mind, it's the Larkspur is the exact opposite of that completely.
1: So another thing that you were able to step into create, receive on top of all of the other incredible gifts that you have and what you do is the documentary. So I would love if you would share a little bit about how this documentary came about. How were you able to get it off the floor? I mean, I can't tell you how many people that listen to this podcast have said to me, I want, I want to create a documentary about, you know, the ag the ag, agriculture industry, or I want to create a documentary about this, but I don't even know the first steps of how to do it. So I would love just to hear the story of how this was created and how you were able to really bring this to life and and then get it picked up and get it out in the world.
0: I can't imagine looking back on that, looking back now at the beginning of where we are um, as an organization and the fact that there's a documentary film that's tracked the, the past seven years of my life is quite baffling. I would have never <laughs> imagined that that would have happened. But I guess it was two years into my creating Larkspur. You know, Larkspur is a nonprofit. We were very small. There was a lot of grassroots work that had to to happen. I actually took a part-time or actually a full-time job um, helping a friend create uh, a retail business. And um, during that time, I was working in that shop and a man and his wife came in. And um, they were just browsing around, and I wandered over and I said hello, and we began talking about a book, um, a Dorothea Lang book, to be exact. Um, they were really into photography. I learned he was a filmmaker. Um, they had just moved to Nashville. I was the first person that they had officially met um, in their in their move into Nashville, uh, and, it kind of went that way. Um, his name was Orion, and her name was Rebecca, uh, or Ryan Paul, and Rebecca Paul, and um, a few weeks after that first encounter in the shop, I was at the Urban Cowboy um, for with Lion, who's the proprietor there, um, and he had purchased this it was before the Urban Cowboy was the Urban Cowboy, which is a really amazing bed and breakfast um, and restaurant space in East Nashville. But I visited there and they had a taco night and they were going to tell everybody, show this house to everyone, this old mansion, and tell everyone about what their plans were for creating the Urban Cowboy Hotel in Nashville. So I went and we had tacos. And in one of the you know, there's all these different hallways and corridors there and there was Orion and Rebecca and we got to talking and we talked more and more and continued the conversation. They had no idea up until this point what I actually did. They thought I was just some guy that worked in a shop that was super nice and talked to them about, uh, Dorothea Lange. Um, but I, and normally I kind of, I'm kind of guarded about who I tell what I do, because sometimes if you're on an airplane, if you open that up, you never know where someone is in their journey. First off, you might not want to talk to this person, but they could also be experienced, have have recently experienced a loss, and you don't want to bring that up on, on a vacation trip or whatever else, unless they instigate it. So um, I told Rebecca and Ryan what I did and what my um, nonprofit was, and And Orion immediately said, oh, my gosh, I would love to make a documentary about this. And after that encounter, um, he emailed and we um, began filming just casually. He just was following me around everywhere, going to the bank, going to the nature preserve. And it was literally um, it was literally five, six, seven years before um, he had created a small short that was probably about twenty minutes, uh, twenty minutes long or so, and it went in the Nashville Film Festival and um, did really well. It went around, uh, it won Best Tennessee Short and went around um, several festivals in the country. Um, but uh, he sent it into PBS um, through a contact at the Uray International Film Festival in Uray, Colorado, and. PBS fell in love with it and they said we need more John Christian like we want to make that we want to offer you the opportunity to to produce this and present it with us in partnership for PBS viewers across the country and around the world Um, that was wild because we had a 20 some odd minute documentary that I had nothing to do with other than running my mouth like I am now and just saying, "Come on, follow me. Let's go on an adventure, you know. Um, and um, Orion did and, and in that in that moment, um, a PBS said, well, you are either going to have to cut it down to this time frame or you're going to have to increase it to 55 minutes. And Orion chose to increase it to 55 minutes and we had to do some more filming. Um, and that's how the closing scenes of the film actually came to be. I'm not going to give anything away, but um, folks can watch it. And that's that's one of the penultimate, that's the penultimate um, uh, moment in the film. And it really brings everything together. But uh, yeah, that that process was just unreal the way it happened and unfolded. And Annette, we, he never even thought, you know, this, this is going to go to PBS. It's going to be a big thing um, who's, he had sat on the footage and his wife, Rebecca said, you know, you really should do something with that footage, all the footage that you took of John Christian. And that's really what started it all. Um, so it's just been amazing. So right now you can watch the film. If you're a PBS subscriber and you have the passport app, you can watch it there, or you can, um, rent it on Amazon or on iTunes. And it's called bury me at Taylor hollow
1: very me at taylor harlow and it premiered was it last year or has it been it
0: premiered last spring i thought april oh yeah this past spring april i'm like what year is it Um, last april um you know you lose track of time when you're always in the now (laughs) i'm such a dork (laughs) but it, it, it it premiered last april um and it's we've had a great response from people across the country, um, and in Canada and even some from overseas that have watched the film. So it's just been amazing. Um, and we have, um, really been able to help a lot of people because of this film. A lot of people that are in difficult situations uh, or find themselves in those situations. And, um, yeah, it's been amazing.
1: Yeah, and so for those, we'll make sure to add a link down to where you can um, rent it um, here in the show notes, because it really is truly an incredible... Piece of art, and the story is amazing. And I mean, who wouldn't want more of John Christian? I'll t- I'll take it all day long. I'll take a- all day long.
0: I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but for those who who do and who want to dive in more, can you just share where people can find you on social media and, of course, your website?
0: Absolutely. So you can find me on social media at at Natural Burial, and um, my personal Instagram is John Christian Pfeiffer. Um, also on the Book of Faces for anybody that that uses that platform, but our website is larkspurconservation.org.
1: Yes, and there's a ton of information on there just to learn more about natural burial. You can see actually the whole landscape of the area. Um, it's a beautiful area and um, just learn more there. So thank you so much for being here with me today and just for having, we've never had a conversation like this on the podcast. And I think that it's one that is not only needed, but it, it allows us to really, I think, demystify something that could feel so foreign or fearful to people. And so I hope that this encourages those to just start thinking a little bit differently about how they wake up every day and how they choose to see the world and and um, and of course, to, to really dive into this beautiful opportunity of natural burial and what that means. And one of my childhood friends to Lou Schuyler actually was buried out there earlier this year. And I know that mm-hmm. we did her incredible ceremony. And mm-hmm. it's so, of course she was buried in that way because that's just how yeah. she lived life and who she was. And it's just been amazing to not only see your journey of it, but then to know someone who actually got to, you know, experience that and and then to see that reflected back to her family and friends was amazing. So thank you so much for everything that you do.
0: Thank you, Julie. And thank you for inviting me to share with everyone. As
1: always, thank you so much for joining me today and every week here on the Influencer Podcast. If you're wanting to dive deeper into the topics and discussions that we have here, I would encourage you to head over to juliesolomon.net and sign up for my weekly newsletter. It is in our amazing newsletter community that we are able to really support you on a much larger scale. And I love to do a ton of amazing things that I send inside your inbox every single week. So just head over to juliesolomon.net. You'll see a little spot there that you can add your information and you will get on the list and start receiving all of that good stuff.